Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, it's Tom here. Welcome to a brand new My Mate Bought a Toaster. What a fabulous episode I've got for you today. The wonderful Ben Bailey-Smith. Off of comedy, off of broadcasting, off of uh, rapping, off of all sorts of stuff. He's a really top guy. Uh, Before Ben's episode begins, though, just a quick moment to let you know this episode is brought to you by the lovely humans at On2. O-N dot two. If you're looking for a new car and you don't want to buy, but you don't want to lease, and you want something a bit more flexible, then can I recommend this amazing new model for subscribing to electric cars? If you want an electric car, if you're finally ready to take the leap, and I warn you, when you do it, all you're going to do is think about range and talk about range and uh, how quickly you can charge them. And trust me, I've had one for a couple of weeks now. It's amazing. It is amazing how far you can go and how much stuff you can get it's just like a normal car but better anyway have a look at on two that's on dot two those are the guys for you if you're looking for a new electric car right enough of that on with the episode the following podcast is a member of the great big owl family Hello, welcome to My Mate Bought a Toaster. This week, I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome a man I met on the comedy circuit when he was called Doc Brown. Um, he's since he since had his PhD taken off him. You know, you know, you're just Ben Smith now, Ben. You're no longer, I mean, you can be Dr. Ben Smith if that helps. Or let's just call you Ben. Let's go for Ben. Yeah, Ben is great, man. I mean, I can't, I can't remember. I think, you know, I still got a lot of uh, comedy alumni that call me Doc. And I love that because, you know, my mum calls me Doc and some of my best friends call me Doc. My brother calls me Doc. And it's yeah. because I was Doc from when I was 15. Like, it was, it was not... You know, it yeah. was not something where it was like, oh, look at Ben. He's doing stand-up now and he's called Doc. Like, it was just, it was just... How did it come about then? What, the name? Yeah. Oh, because Doc. I was like a smart ass, you know. I was like <laughs> a, I was like a nerdy kind of smart alecky dude. So it was like a Back okay. to the Future reference in school. It was not, I like see. it was nothing cool. And I think that was the thing that sort of frustrated me actually about stand-up because... There was often stand-ups would be like, oh, you're so hard to follow you. Like, you're so cool. And I'm like, did you, did you watch my act? It's all about, like, breaking down that whole thing of, like, what is cool because I've never known, you know? Um, yeah. But I guess, yeah. you know, if you can rap, that is kind of cool. So That is quite cool, mate. Even if you're yeah. rapping about the size exactly. of the, you know, SD card, an 8 gigabyte SD card. Exactly. So that, it's still cool. The tricky, cool. The tricky thing for me was that... Um, you know, I was always able to rap well. So even if I was rapping, like you say, about something that wasn't cool, it was still kind of cool in how well I was able to rap it. So I was a, it was kind of like a a thorn in my own side. I couldn't really blame anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just just too cool, Ben. Just too cool. (laughs) Um, And already we can see this straight off the bat, uh, looking at your Amazon. Which is not cool. (laughs) Well, 
I mean, look, come on. Let's let's you know, let's dive in. We've got Scarface, of course we have. That in you know, that's influenced your personality enormously. <laughs> um we've got in fact the first item you bought on Amazon, 20th of October, 2004. I should um, be getting a discount off Bezos by now. 16 <laughs> oh, years loyal he seems to have got a discount off HMRC so exactly. you should be getting a discount off him man for goodness sake 24 October 2004 you bought classic material the hip hop album guide paperback by Oliver Wang wow I don't remember that at mm-hmm. all I, d- I don't even know what that is maybe I bought it for somebody else I can't remember reading it but then well, it was a long it- time ago it's 16 years old. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a guide, as it says, to hip-hop albums with over, with over 40 unique reviews covering 60 landmark hip-hop albums. Oh. Spanning 20 years, classic material proves that there is no lack of intelligent commentary and criticism I on think, rap music. I think that, you know, that does ring a bell now that you give me the blurb because, you know what I've always loved, and this isn't just a hip-hop thing, I love the stories behind classic albums. You know, when you see someone like, they, did you ever used to watch VH1 behind the music? Yes. Yeah, totally. and, and you'd yes, have like absolutely. the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Nirvana or whoever, and they'd be say, talking about how they made a certain song or a certain album. That stuff mm. always fascinated me, and I thought there must be something like that on hip hop. So I think that's probably why I bought that book. But that's so yeah. mad. I didn't. I thought it was going to be like your last week's purchases, which is uh, for me like it's going to be fast. <laughs> this is going to be actually be a fascinating journey because yes. 2004, I had no children. I was a part-time youth worker uh, who rapped at night. I was flat broke. I was living in a flat share in Stoke Newton. Um, my life couldn't have been more different than it is now, you know? I know. That's so quite crazy. This is what's incredible. This is the, it's a, it's a, to, to coin a phrase I've already used on um, various bits of press for this, this podcast, it's a, it, this is your autobiography man we are we're diving we're going through your receipts we're going through your bins um already we've learned you're a bit of a we've learned you're a bit of a nerd and you know the the vh1 reference that didn't go unnoticed mate that mean you know me too you you're not mtv you vh1 this is what we need to establish go. straight off the bat um mr blue memoirs of a renegade by edward oh my Bunker. god yeah hello this Tell is this is a real reminder of my friend tony d um, used to be known as Tony Dangerous when I first met him, who was um, just the most amazing rapper I'd ever come across. I met him at a, a cypher, like a sort of fr- rap freestyle session in Clapham Common. These things yeah. used to happen. Um, and immediately, like, I wanted to be in a crew with him and we formed this little crew called po- Poisonous Poets. And he was an avid reader and he used to always recommend these... Um, like uh, like sort of gangster books to me. And that was one of his recommendations, I think. Um, I think it might be the guy, is it the guy who popped up in um, Lockstock? It's one of those gangsters who like, you know, they end up getting a little bit like uh, celebrated and they pop up in movies and documentaries and stuff. It tells the true li- uh, true story of a life that ranges far beyond the imagination of most fiction writers, right? Um, so it's the paperback edition of Edward Bunker's long-awaited autobiography. So Edward Bunker, 25 years in prison, author of four hugely successful crime novels, a spell on the FBI's 10 most wanted Oh, that's list. right. He's an American dude, not English. I was thinking uh, of Lenny. Not, he's American. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get on to him. A role as Mr. Blue in Tarantino's that's what it Reservoir was. Dogs. There you go. There Thank you. Go. He was born in Hollywood, son of a stagehand. 
and went into a, uh, his life went and ended up in a series of boarding homes and military schools. From the age of five, he repeatedly ran away, roaming the city streets at Crazy night. Man, dude. this is this is L.A. noir, isn't it? This is yeah. the real deal. I, again, I've not thought about this book for 16 years until you mentioned it, but I remember it having like, it was like real life Elroy, you know? It was like, mm, it was like yeah. proper LA confidential stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he's a renegade and you're looking into his life and at the same time you're working as a youth worker. Tell us, I mean, tell us what that was like. That was, you know, d- the stories that you must have come across doing that must have been pretty hardcore. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I've been in show business 12 years and uh, I've experienced, as I'm sure you have, an incredible amount of nepotism, but I benefited from it without a doubt when I was a layabout kid in my late teens because my mum was a youth worker, you know, and when it came time for me to try and earn my keep, um, she was like, oh, you should speak to my friend. She works for Westminster Council running kids services. So I went and did an interview with her and I I got a job working with kids doing like after school clubs and stuff like that. And that I just you know what I just got straight into it because when you're like a weed smoking 18 19 year old <laughs> like the idea of work starting at 3:30 p.m. dreaming <laughs> and ending at 7 and your job is to play football and pool with boys. Yeah. I was just like this is great. Is that um, what you do? You just hang out with them and make sure everyone's Yeah, just right. hang out. It was the old school version of youth work, you know, like in the, uh, 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 you know, early 2000s, late 90s, you know, youth clubs, obviously, you know, Tories have torn so much money away from from these things. But in the old days, it was like, you know, a three-legged pool table with not enough balls mm. and a little concrete space to play football and a hangout and a place just where kids could feel safe until their parents have finished work, you know? Um, And that was the vibe. But I got so into it that I ended up getting an MVQ in youth management. So I had the qualifications to run my own youth club because I'd become so embedded in the community around uh, uh, West and Northwest London. Um, I wanted to just sort of do my own thing. And in 2001, I started working with, uh, specifically with kids from... Uh, the kids of asylum seekers uh, who really, do you know what I mean? They had just no nowhere to go, no guidance. Some of them had even lost their parents. Mm. Um, so I ended up staying there for seven years. I left. I left when um, comedy started. Wow. So you know, um, it must have put great perspective on comedy because one of the things that I yeah. least like about comedy is the. Um, uh, self-importance and the way that we don't see we can't really see beyond the walls of our world and we just think it's the most important thing in the world which is good in a way and commendable in a way to find comedy important but when you've got that context that, that context that hinterland that must have listen you, you know we we're strange individuals comics because we live quite an isolated existence because we have to we have to be isolated to create we have to be isolated to travel and we have to be isolated to perform. That's why lockdown doesn't bother comedians too much because we're <laughs> we are social, social lepers at the best of times. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think what's really interesting about uh, what you just said is that on a negative side, we find it hard sometimes to connect with normal people and our crowds are full of normal people. So the thing that used to really piss me off on the circuit was when I'd see a comic die you know, mm. and then come off stage and go, oh, they're all fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. You see them, there was a fucking room of idiots. And then you're thinking, well, the guy who was on before you did, all right? Mm. The girl who was on after you did, all right? 
Yeah. I think I'll probably do all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're thinking, yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you need to get out of your own head a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I used to see that all the time. When just just picture this, Tom, like the first time I ever stepped on a stage and 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 attempted to do anything remotely like live comedy, I was living in a bedsit with my girlfriend. We had a baby and she was pregnant with the second, and I was working maybe two days a week for a charity that I've already mentioned, you know. Yeah. I mean When was this then? When about this is February two thousand and eight. Okay. Okay. That was the first time I stepped on a stage and tried to do stand up, you know? Yeah. So it's like when I, after that first gig, I entered um, So You Think You're Funny, which is what a lot of comics do. It's just like a nationwide, for those that don't know, sort of talent search or even international talent search, you know, mm. for new comics. Mm. And I entered it because the prize was five grand. You know, yeah, I needed that money. Who cares about meeting the woman who runs that gig or is that review? Bro, I didn't know anything about stand up. Yeah. I knew about comedy because I watched it with my dad from when I was a little kid. But sitcoms, you know, yeah. that was my vibe. Yeah, I loved yeah, yeah. sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with my dad, I used to watch Porridge and Steptoe and Son and you know, ever decreasing circles and the good life and all those old sitcoms. I loved them, you know? So good. Um, but stand up, I didn't know anything about it. My mum had a vinyl of Eddie Murphy. So I'd heard that and I thought it was really funny. And I'd seen Peter Kay. Yeah. And I'm not fucking with you. That was my education before yeah. I got into stand up. I didn't know there was like a world of British stand-ups doing like the circuit. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, well, we'll get onto that as you burst into that world. Well, let's talk about 2008 then, Ben. Mm. Um, what have we got? There's a lot of music here. We've got The Coral, uh, Flight of the <laughs> Concords. Love Flight of the Concords. Nice. Amazing. Um, the official DSA uh, guide to driving, the essential skills. This is February 2008. Oh, God, yeah, of course, because I passed my driving test that year. Okay, so I that's quite in late. April. So that's quite late to take it on then. Yeah, because I just I've always been a daydreamer, you know. So I just you know, like it's like my sister, you know, Zadie, she she still hasn't learned to drive. And I think it's for the best for humanity, you know, <laughs> because we're both we're both like our minds wander so much. Yeah. I don't think we should be behind the wheel. But for me, at that stage, you know, 2008, I was feeling the pressure because my wife was pregnant. Um, my younger one was due uh, in October mm -hmm. that year. And I just thought, I can't do this anymore without a car, man. It's just like yeah. anyone with kids, they they know like if you haven't got a car, it's just such a pain in the ass. So mm -hmm. I forced myself to learn. And I think that's what that DSA must have been for because I passed in April 2008. You also need wheels to get away from them as well, man. I mean, obviously yes. we've got to transport them around, but then there's the, you know, like for example, gigging. I mean, that used to be when my well, babies were young, gigging in the car mm. was just bliss to get away. Yes. And, and, and also it brought about work. So if you think I first started, my very first gig was in February, 2008. By the end of that year, I was getting paid gigs regularly, you know, um, but they were anywhere and everywhere. Yes. And I found dealing with, you know, CKP and off the curb and, and all these different bookers that, um, a good way of getting gigs, if you weren't that funny was if you could drive. 
<laughs> you, know I mean? you could get the headliner there and back. You're getting that middle spot. Don't worry about it. My jokes are offensive, but my license is clean. So yeah, I remember the early days driving Carl Donnelly around quite a bit. Yeah. Who's been yeah. on this show, in fact, the brilliant Carl Donnelly. Yes. Hilarious. Lovely. Yeah, she lives on the next road away from me. I should give him a shout. You should. You just had a baby. They just had a little baby. That's right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, 16th of October, 2008. So you're on the circuit now. You've got babies. Uh, we've got the Draper Orbital Jigsaw. There's a man who's a dad. Bought at the same time. Wow. As bought in the same purchase order. I love this. This is what I love, right? So so Ben goes onto Amazon. I'm going to do a bit of shopping. I'm going to get the Draper 40423 <laughs> Orbital Jigsaw. Hang on. I'm, I'm finished, right? What else is he going to get? I'm going to get the Big Bang by Buster Rhymes. Yeah, get that as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> That's a great album. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I needed something to listen to while I was chopping through shelving. Right. I, I Listen, that is such... This is... I mean, first off, I'm sure people have said this to you before. What a brilliant idea for a pod. I mean, there, there's, no, there's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is. That's right. It's kind of like this is your life, but yeah. with, with shit that you've poured. <laughs> this is your shite. <laughs> this is your shite. Um... Yeah, uh, I think I think I was trying to do some home improvements. By this stage, we'd uh, got this little flat in Dalston, mm-hmm. um, and it needed a shitload of work because you know my wife was a trainee teacher, I was a part time youth worker. We just didn't have a lot of money, so we couldn't hire people to do stuff. So I just had to sort of teach myself. I laid a patio, I cut tiles. What? Yeah, man. I laid a patio. Any good or were they rubbish? Because any, any of the DIY I did early doors, there's there's still shelves downstairs in this house that are so fucking dangerous. <laughs> it's decent, man. Okay. It's de- to the point where, you know, we bought that flat on the key worker scheme. This is this is how different the world was back mm. then, right? A, a, a trainee teacher and a part-time youth worker could buy a flat mm. <laughs> on the key worker scheme. They say give you 50 grand, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a grant to put towards buy-in and you never have to pay it back unless you sell the place. And if you sell the place, then you have to give them back whatever percentage that 50 grand was. Mm. So as you can imagine back then, that 50 grand was a huge percentage. Huge. So we, we, yeah. we sold that flat last year and I don't even want to tell you the amount of money I had to give back to the government. Yeah, you took but it from it you took it from disgusting. the Labour government and then you had to give it to a Tory government. Yeah, I, mean, I don't that's want, my, my I mean, worst, yeah. thing, worst Worst case scenario. Um, so yeah, you know, we, we we didn't we didn't have money, um, but we did have a lot of endeavor and a lot of desire. And I, I, I will, when I sold that place last year, I, I have to say, in a way that I never thought I would feel. This is ultimate dad stuff here. Yeah. I felt bitter that I had to give that patio away to them because I just thought you don't fucking appreciate that patio. You don't know the blood, sweat and tears that went. Have you ever, have you ever been so poor that you can only buy a certain, like a finite number of tiles and you're also learning to tile cut. And every oh, time pressure. you fuck up a tile, oh, you're like, I've only got three spare tiles left. I oh, can't, no. like, I can only fuck up three more times. Yes, yes, yes. I yes, didn't have yes. any spare tire, tiles at the end. Not one spare <laughs> tile. I managed to nail it. And the one that I did screw up and had to use, it was just like just a little corner. So I just sort of cemented that in. Oh. But I, I'm so proud of it. But I'm so proud of it. That's the personality of the patio then. You know, if anyone's like, why is it only covering a third 
third of the space because I couldn't afford the slabs, okay? Because that's where I was then. That's where I was. Um, I just love that all this is being done to the, you know, the Big Bang by Buster Rhymes in the that's background. That's a great album. That's a great album. <laughs> great album. Um, other things you're buying here. I mean, it's well, tremendous sort of artistic uh, endeavour and and, and tr- tremendous taste as well. You know, you're buying the best TV available to man, which is, of course, The Wire, seasons three and four, July and September. I mean, these are the best things. But at the same time, in between it, On the Way Home by Jill Murphy, which is the most delightful uh, kids book. You know the one about the girl who's got cut on her knee? Yes. Okay, so this will make sense to you because obviously it's 2008, so I've got a three-year-old. But when was that purchase? So uh, On the Way Home was July. July 2008. July 2008, same time as The Wire. Yes. Right, so she would have been two and a half at that point. Uh, no, wait. Yeah, yeah, two and a half, two and a half, because she was born New Year's Eve 2005. Okay. Um, so, you know, you've got a lot of, you're still having a lot of sleepless nights. I don't think she would have been breastfeeding, but I remember my wife saying, like, there's just so much sitting around. We need something to watch, you know? Yes. We need something to watch. And then The Wire was the one. We just got totally lost in that world. Amazing. And, you know, so many times you'd be woken up and then you'd just be sat up in the middle of the night. You might as well just watch some stuff on TV. I can so see we... what you watched it on as well, man. Not TV. You bought, in May 2008, the 7-inch mm. portable DVD player. So I can imagine you with the baby sitting there uh. with this little Sony thing. 90 quid that cost. Wow, really? Yes! This is the thing Jesus, about that's the, that's the kind of thing that would cost like £10 now. I know, that's man. Insane. Well, listen to this, right? So listen to this. This is the thing that's fascinating about tech. I mean, this is sadly less about your life, but just as a general thread, you've got the TomTom, right? Sat-nav, which is the, a must-buy for all people hitting the stand-up circuit. That's exactly why I bought it. There you go. Thank you very exactly much. Off the curb, went. available to go to Exeter. Now I know it's in the West Country. <laughs> uh, £109. You spent 15 quid Jesus. on... Yeah, man. 15 quid on um, CDs by uh, Haggis Horns and the Libertines. That's just now Spotify. 15 quid a month. That's all you need nowadays. You've Whoa, got The Wire. You're spending crazy? 40 quid on The Wire. Like, Fuck me. Do you know what I mean? The, look at this as well. 305 quid on the Nikon on- D60 AFS uh, DSLR camera for 300 quid. All of those things. That's bananas. Is now on this slab of metal, of, of glass in my pocket. Isn't that mental? So that, that, that camera I bought for my wife for her birthday, the, uh, the DVD player was, um, for, we did a lot of long journeys, you know, going to visit people and stuff. And, uh, it was great for the the little one to watch watch movies on there. Like we had a bunch of bootleg cartoons, Disney films and stuff, yeah. and she'd watch on there. And then, uh, yeah, the the Libertines and the Haggis Horns. Shout out both of those bands, both friends of mine, um, and I'm fans of both. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with both, so I must have just been. Uh, very much in a bit of a loving at that moment. How <laughs> did you get in with? I mean, the Libertines are the band I know out of the two of them. I will okay. check out the the. the or was it the Haggis yeah, Horns? Please do. I will. I will Haggis I will. Horns, amazing. I love the Libertines. I mean, they were the Arctic Monkeys, and then were the band of the so, moment. The Naughties, of oh. course, yeah. So, oh four, I was signed to the same management company as the Libertines uh, as a rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to be signed with Alan McGee's management label, Creation. So oh, he, yeah, he, he he sold the label, Creation, and started Creation Management, um, which was in Primrose Hill, and they had the Libertines, and they had me. They set up these two. Uh, 
kind of uh, they are they were umbrella for two smaller management companies called Pop Tones and Hip Tones, and Pop Tones did indie, okay. and Hip Tones did urban. So I was on the Hip Tones, and and they were on Pop Tones, and yeah, we used to cross paths quite a lot. I became very friendly with the drummer. It's a bit. Uh, I guess a bit cliched, but the the, the black member of the band. Mm. <laughs> so we were mates. Um, and then with the, the Haggis Horns, uh, I met through Mark Ronson. So I used to work with Mark um, before he was, I guess, you know, the, a worldwide megastar. Mm. Um, and we were in a band together with Amy Winehouse. And the horn section was uh, the Haggis Horns, which is infamous and legendary Scottish uh, funk horn section. Oh, nice. Uh, who exist in their own entity as the Haggis Horns. And tell me about Amy. Tell me about Amy Winehouse. I'm a, I mean, this is peak my kind of music as well. Tell me about Amy Winehouse. What was, what was she like? How was that? So we worked together between 05 on and off uh, up until, I guess, end of 06, mm. early 07 um, with Mark. And I mean, it's hard to know where to begin and end with Amy. I mean, uh, probably everything that needs to be said has been, been said, but just from a sort of hanging out perspective, she was just the most fun person, you know? I mean, we were both young kind of dickheads, really. <laughs> North London dickheads, both of us. <laughs> And like the way she talked, the sound of her voice, everything, it just reminded me of those crazy girls from my year at school. You know, it, we, it just felt like we already knew each other. Um, we're both big drinkers, big weed smokers. And uh, I think we had that little click. Um, and what I'd say the main thing I remember from her is that she just... I mean, she took her music incredibly seriously, but everything else, she was just always looking to have a laugh, man. And that's, that's all that ever happened. Yeah. So what ended up happening with her, the fact that it went from a comedy to a tragedy, so to speak, I'd say it's, I still find it upsetting. In fact, I remember, I think it might've been through Sarah Bonetto, uh, a colleague of ours from yeah. the stand-up days. Yeah, of course. I think it was through Sarah. I can't remember. Maybe it was Sarah. She'll, I'm sure she'll verify. But um, someone from comedy called me and said, oh, this guy wants to talk to you about Amy. And I'd hear that a lot, you know, and I'd always just say, I don't want to talk about it because no one talked about Amy in, in, in those early days when it was still raw, mm. uh, you know, after, after she died, you know, so 2011, 2012 and, and beyond there. And... And she was like, no, he's, he's making a film. He seems like a trustworthy guy. And I was like, nah, it's not for me. And in the end, he contacted me directly and said, look, please, I just love a sit down. I've got a few little black holes in the Amy story that I'd like to fill. And he told me his name was Asif Kapadia. So I looked him up and I was like, oh, fuck. I watched his film, Senna. Yes. And I was incredible. Yeah. gigging. I was doing some comedy in Birmingham. I watched it at the electric cinema and, uh, I, it was one of the best films I'd seen, best documentaries I'd ever seen. Mm. And I'd have no interest in F1, you know. No. Um, and he made me have interest in it and made me love this guy. And it had so much heart and sensitivity. I thought the person who made this film at least deserves a face-to-face -face because he's not exploitative, judging oh. from Senna. 
So I sat with him and sure enough, he was a beautiful, beautiful, sensitive man with an interest in one thing. And that was to tell a story that respected her legacy. So I helped out and I told some stories and whatnot. And I'm credited on that film as a, as a, as a contributor. And I, I remember saying <laughs> to a friend of mine, uh, after it was released, like, Hey, you know, I, you know, I contributed, I couldn't, I contributed to that, that film. Cause he's seen it and he was like, Oh, it's a wicked film. And he goes, bro, you're an Oscar winning con- contributor. <laughs> and I was like, I might add that to my webpage. Yeah, and I think I'm fairly sure Amy would have loved that if you'd done that as well. <laughs> why? Why? I'm a massive fan of hers. Like, yeah. I incredible. Just, what, what a talent. I mean, yeah. when, when love is a losing game comes on oh. my shuffle, it, I, like, I have to stop everything I'm doing. Not many songs have that power where I just have to go shut up to whoever I'm talking to or just stop driving or stop walking and just sit and listen. And I well up. I genuinely do. That song moves me like very few songs move me. There's a lot of versions of it on uh, YouTube. There are, I've, yeah. I've watched it obsessively. But there, and it's, there's, there's only one that matters, man. That, yeah, that, yeah. that album cut is just it's flawless. It's incredible, that album, isn't it? Incredible. It is, man. It is because... Like my kids love it. Yes. They're 14 and 11. I loved it at the time when it was brand new. It was like, uh, it reminded me of that. Uh, was it tricky? Tricky had a song called brand new year retro. Mm. And it, and it is, it was like that. It was like brand new, but it sounded like it came out in the sixties, but yes. the references in it were all London yeah. and it was wild and it was personal and it was rowdy as if like a, a young man had recorded it, no disrespect to women. But at the time, female vocalists were not like Joni Mitchell, you know, and, 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 uh, um, uh, uh, oh God, I've lost their name now from Fleetwood Mac. They, they weren't like that, you mm. know, mm. that it was quite staid. It was like, if you looked at the female vocalists at that time, it was like sort of R&B, maybe like kind of, you know, classic topics that you've heard before. There yeah. weren't that many rockers. Yeah. Really, for me, it was like Karen O from yeah. the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Yes. Yeah, I've, Lily, seen, I've seen Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Lily Allen as well. Love Lily, Lily Allen. Allen yes. And Kate Nash were doing interesting things. But Amy just came in and was just like, this is what the fuck I'm saying. Mm. In a way that at the time, nine, it was only really like 99% of men were doing that. Like, mm-hmm. um, So that that album is just... Mate, it's timeless. It will keep selling. It will keep going, yeah. and 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 good for her. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. And it's my. This sounds like such a partridge thing to say, but it's it's my. It feels like my Sergeant Pepper's. You know, like when I was growing up, my parents always made me listen to Sergeant Pepper's. That was like this is the album you've got to listen to, and it feels that Amy Winehouse album. It's the album where I was young. It's the album where I was living. I was living very close. I was in Kentish Town, so I was kind of mixing. I didn't know any of those people, but I was around there. Met my wife when that was just coming out. Mm. Like it's imprinted on me. Saw her do it live three times. Like you know, it just yeah. Has, left yeah, mark, the dude I, I was on stage with her, man. Oh, like the first, one of the first times she performed Valerie. Oh. We were in a uh, we uh, fabric nightclub and me and her were fucked off this bottle of, of, uh, of gin we had backstage. And Mark was like getting me to rap. He was like, rap, do a little eight bar on this. And you know, one of my biggest regrets is like when we started touring after that, Mark was always recording stuff, recording the stuff that would become the album version, you know, which had Valerie on it and, and Lily's version of uh, the Kaiser Chiefs. Oh my God. And 
all these kind of covers of rock songs. Um, and I never said, hey, like, how about if I come down and do some 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 rapping? Yeah. Which he probably would have said, yeah, man, like, come down and be cool. But I just, I had that, you know, when you get that shy thing where you're like, oh, I'd yeah. never have that now as an older guy. But when you're young, you're you're a bit like, I I think I'm good, but these are like professionals. <laughs> I I don't know what to say yeah, to them. Never wait to be invited, man. I don't know what to say to them. It's really hard. It's really really hard. And yet, do you think when you went into comedy, you had you were more assertive when you hit the stand up world? Yeah, because I didn't give a fuck about comedy, and that's the truth. <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck about any of you guys. I was I was arrogant. I was angry. I was broke. I needed money. I did. I just didn't care. I didn't make any friends. I didn't care about the medium until I started dying regularly. And then I was like, oh my God, like I need to work out how to be good at this. Mm. And instinctively I thought, dude, you need to shut up and listen man. watch these other guys. Yeah. And I started like, instead of just sitting there on my own with headphones on working out what I'm going to do, I would actually, I'd get a beer and I'd go and I'd sit and I'd watch Tom Price. Do you know what I mean? And I'd, 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 I'd watch Miles Jupp and I'd watch, do you know what I mean? I'd watch all these type of comics that I would probably, they never would have been on my radar. Mm, mm. And I learned so much. I learned, if anything, how to become more me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I remember one night uh, 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 up the creek, on their rowdy, rowdy Saturday nights. Oh God, it makes me feel sick just thinking about it. Oh my God. And 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 they they would strike the fear into my heart. Yeah. And I just remember like looking at this guy, Miles Jupp, and I was thinking, this guy's gonna get murdered out there. <laughs> Listen to how he sounds. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. and he just went out there and he goes, uh so this is what he opened with. He goes, uh so um Obviously, the, uh, yeah, there's a recession on. Uh, <laughs> must be awful for those involved. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that is how you attack this. Like, I was just, I was like wowed by him. And and I, I remember him coming off and we, we, we had a drink and we chatted and we worked out that we were from exactly the same street. No way. Yeah, except he was in a house. And I was on in a council estate on the other side of the road. No, and he went. Way. He went to. He went away to boarding school at five, and I went to state school. And we were actually we were working briefly. We used to hang out. We were working briefly on like an idea for a, a documentary. You know, with the two of us. Yeah, just doing that kind of, you know, like where you separated at birth type thing, wow. um, like where you end up. The fact that we ended up in the same place, I thought was was beautiful. I still do. Um, mm. I haven't seen him for years, but shout out Miles Jupp. But yeah, um, you know, I, 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 at first I just didn't care. So I, I but felt you know what? Nothing. The weird thing I is, I no wish fear. I had that. I wish I didn't care when I was doing it. I cared too much, man. Mm. So interesting. You know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be an actor. When I was a teenager, I wanted to be a rapper. I, I, the thing I was most successful at out of anything was was live comedy, stand up comedy, and. I had no interest in being a comedian. <laughs> and and it's just like well, how is this happening? And I, and and it's a weird thing, you know, I'm 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 sure you've gone in for acting auditions. But when you nail a, an acting audition is often when you have that attitude where you're like, yeah. Well, I couldn't really give a shit yeah. if I get this or not. Every to time, be honest. Mate. Every single 
time, the biggest job I ever got was the day after I was filming a TV show I was doing and I went to the audition to keep my agent happy. Didn't think I was going to get it. Couldn't give a shit. I just, there you like, go. Every time, man. Every time. And, and that relaxation, it just puts your audience at ease, whether that's a casting director or a thousand strangers in a, in, in a theatre. And I, I look back to my very first ever gig where I didn't even know what stand-up was. I was just up there telling a story, you know, mm. and there was no laughter, but I felt nothing. I And, and the audience, it was such an interesting reaction because – in my mind, I didn't die because I didn't know what dying was. I just told my story and left. Yeah. And the audience was very much like engaged the whole time. Yeah. Because I seemed so confident that they were like, this is going somewhere. There's yeah. a payoff. Yeah. And yeah, there was yeah. no payoff. I just walked off. <laughs> it's like a, it's so like afterwards, they must have thought, what the fuck was that? It's like a meta Stuart Lee. Like, it was he, so here strange. He comes, here he comes. Uh, oh, no, he's just, he, he's just left. <laughs> you know, at the time, I was working, like I say, I was doing youth work part time, but I was also, I'd, I'd started working for a, a, a comedy writer called Danny Robbins. And I, I, I was writing gags for Radio 4. Yeah. In my, in my spare time. And it was a producer there who encouraged me to to go and try and do seven minutes at this, uh, uh, it was called uh, BBC Entertaining, I think. And it was like uh, just the BBC crowd mm. and all everyone that was on stage was like reading from their radio scripts to test out the jokes. So it was just like a sort of industry thing. It wasn't like a proper stand-up gig, but that's where I did my, I got up for the first time. Yeah and did something approaching stand-up. And I remember coming off and the producer saying to me, dude, I'll tell you what, if that was a talk, it would have been great, but you need to you need to write some fucking jokes, bro. You've got to have that like, feedback, oh. man. You've got to have and that feedback. I don't think it's bizarre, but I don't think I really died until I started writing jokes. And then you really I, felt it because jokes yeah, have the expectation. I improved my way. I improved my way through my first three, four, five, maybe even six months of stand-up. Even in So You Think You're Funny, I, I improved most of the minutes and then just ended with a rap song that I'd written, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just never took it seriously. Mm. And then all of a sudden, within a year's time, I was earning more money than I've ever earned in my life. It all kicked off. Well, listen, let's let's see what you were spending that money on. Uh, and <laughs> I was still a cheapskate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. You, was, you were spending it on some fantastic things. 23rd of September, 2009, £8.18 spent on the Cindy Crawford Fitness Collection. DVD from 1992. <laughs> so of, this sounds this yeah. sounds like a masturbatory tool. A little bit but of personal to, time with your little Sony you DVD player. You have to remember, yeah, sure, sure. you're talking about a married man here. So this was not my purchase. We share an Amazon uh, card. The we share the Amazon card. Okay. So right. some of these purchases are going to be my beautiful wife, Siobhan. So. I don't believe you. No, I do. Um, I love <laughs> how eclectic your music is. Look at this. He's got oh, yeah, Jamie no. no one can fuck with me on the, the, the music front. Yeah, but look. I love to, all music. He's off to squeeze. He's getting the lemon heads. He's doing MGMT or oh, Oracular Spectacular. What an album, MGMT! Uh, you know when I when I think about that album, it always reminds me of uh, your man, uh, who's Brett's brother, who runs um, Andre Vincent. Vincent's, Andre Vincent. Mm. Um, he booked me to come and play the festival uh, whenever that album came out, yeah. um, and 
I don't know if you played it, but um, at first that comedy stage was next to the main stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I say next to, I mean next to. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> so every comic could get up and just die on their ass and Can go. You shut and up the kooks for fuck's sake! It was it was horrendous. Yeah. So I remember going up there, and I was I was already pissed. You know how you get at festivals, you get pissed off by missing the acts that you really want to see. Yeah, you don't care about much. getting paid to do comedy. You want to go and see your favorite bands. Um, I just remember getting up and going, hey, I'm Doc. And then it was just like, um, and everyone got up and was like, oh shit, MGMT. And they just fucking left. And I was just stood there going, I quite like to see them as well. Oh, and then so just good. do like half an hour. I mean that riff through, through their set. That riff horrible. is like the Pied Piper for that generation. That's yeah, just, man. Bye bye. What a oh, what a song, mate. Even yeah. now you've done that, I'm like, I just want to go listen to that song and stop yeah, doing same, this podcast. Same. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Yasmin Akram. Join myself and my friend Philippa Dunn each week for our podcast, We Heart Worry, a show about cars and their engines. Obviously not. It's a show where we talk about our fears, our worries and our anxieties in a bid to help you with yours. And we just have a laugh as well. So join us. There's nothing to be scared of. I promise. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ooh, I don't want to hear no more crying. Just come on, let me know what you've been buying. You listen to my mate bought a toaster. Ben Smith is in the hot seat uh, this week. Uh, ben Island Kiss for Women by Escada. This is a lovely uh, perfume <laughs> you bought in November 2010. Are you going to play the It's for My Partner card again? Oh, 100%. She still uses Island Kiss. And I have to say, I, that fragrance, I, I don't know if I can get an endorsement with them, oh. but it is. God. Okay. It's gorgeous, and I've I've never smelled it on another woman, so it just always reminds me of of, of her. And uh, yeah, it's it's a gorgeous smell. It's uh, nice think, that, isn't it? Her face, yeah. The power of a smell like that to remind you of someone. Like there is God. When I think about I, because I've never really worn aftershave, and then an ex made me wear aftershave <laughs> the year that I was going out <laughs> with her, and I smelt it again the other day, and I've never been more quickly transported back to 1998 in all my life. Yeah. It was horrifying. That, that, I think that would happen with me if I smelt Obsession for Men by Calvin yes. Klein, because I had a I had a girlfriend who made me wear that. 
It's funny. Why are they doing? Are they, are they marking us or something? What is that? That's weird. That that we both. I think we just stunk. Here. Young men <laughs> that's stink. Is, that's what it is. Yeah, Young stink. men stink. I did stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What would you rather I smelt of? Jumpel goes Jumpel or sort of beefy onions, dude. I was in a pharmacy today and I saw Lynx Marmite, and I'm not fucking with you. What do you mean you saw Lynx Marmite? I saw Lynx Marmite. I, I just saw it pop up on a screen in the pharmacy in Kilburn. What do you mean? And Hang I, on. So I don't both- know what I mean, Tom. But- All I know is what I saw. <laughs> well, what side of the coin are we buttering here? Are we I- having Marmite with toast or are we spraying Marmite on Lynx? Uh, Lynx Marmite. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay, that needs to be investigated. I, yeah, right. it needs a Google. I haven't done it yet because it yeah, happened so I. so soon before this. I'm going to Google that hard. But that shit is this. real, bro. Unless I was just having an aneurysm or something okay, no, on Kilburn High Road. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to Google it. Marmite, okay, please do. Let's just solve links, this quickly. Yeah, I can't just let that go. Uh, links, links Africa and Marmite limited edition Thank shower you. gel. Oh, it's shower gel. Okay, so that's that's fine then. <laughs> what that the is fuck? Unacceptable. What? I just uh, what? Ninety nine p. Not a huge surprise. <laughs> um, here we go. There's a review here on uh, superdrug.com. Fantastic. Literally smells like you're sniffing a spoonful of Marmite and Lynx Africa at the same time. Perfect. Not the worst smell, but hubby wasn't a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Made made for very moist toast. Wow! Fuck that me. Is, oh my god, the things we're discovering on the podcast today. Okay, let's get back to the things you've bought then, shall we? Um, let's skip a few years in the journey of Ben Smith. Let's see what else we can find uh, as we jump around your Amazon shopping history. Um, a roll of fragile packing tape from October 2012. Okay, this is... Uh, this is also my wife, but it, 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 this is the brainstorm that she has. So I should really give her a shout out. So okay. August 2012, something very magical happened. Uh, Russell Howard invited me on to Good News. Yes. Um, I, as every comic probably does, got panicked about all the material I was doing on the circuit and thought I should probably do something f- super fresh, you know, that I'm excited about for the show. Yeah. So I was sat outside my house and I'd just come back from a voiceover gig where uh, the woman that brought tea in uh, was like, oh, how'd you like your tea? And I was like, oh, I like it like this, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, it's so specific, isn't it? She was like, you know, I, I think in- England could have a civil war over how they like their tea. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I wrote this thing in 15 minutes about, tea like a little rap about it yeah i thought i think it's quite funny so i went down to uh uh the comedia in uh the the shit one in bath yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, not the amazing one shout out comedia you you guys are all amazing but bath needs needs work uh old cinemas don't make good things And I did it. I read it off a piece of paper, you know, when you're just trying stuff out. And the, they were rolling, bro. They were like howling. And I thought, I'm going to show that to Russell. And I showed it to him. He was like, dude, that's that's hilarious. You got to do that. And I did it. And I'm not fucking with you. That's That probably like lit up my career. Like I was I was doing okay anyway, but that, that was a game changing moment. So long story short, my wife had the idea to make mugs. You know, because loads of, I see bands having mugs and all sorts of people have mugs, but it's not relevant to what they do. Yeah. But mugs for like a rap about tea, like yep. 
That's a match made in heaven. She's a genius. Best-selling piece of merch from then till now. I still sell them. A merch made in heaven, dude. I still sell them. A merch made in heaven. Fuck. Um, So yeah, she bought like fragile stickers and parcel paper and parcel tape. And she ordered like a bunch from this printing company and they just fucking flew. This is beautiful. Look how we can see, man. The, the last few years, they've been the runway. You've, you've, we're taking off now. Here we go. This yeah. is fucking great. I love it. Um, and rightly, you've got Life is Good by nice. Nas. Yeah. That- <laughs> July 2012. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a story about that as well, actually, because, um, you know, we, lived, we were living on this council estate in, uh, in, in um, uh, Canterbury, um, yep. Sort of between Highbury and and, and Dalston, and uh, the the guys in my block, you know, they were there was there was some young guys who's I mean their day consisted of rap, weed, girls hanging out. I don't really know what they did with the rest of their day, um, and they were younger than me, and I always felt like an old man whenever I spoke to them. And I, I when I think about that album, I always think about the day. I was taking out some rubbish because we had the, you know, if you ever lived in a block of flats, you know, there's like the little communal area for yes. the, the bins. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we were on the ground floor. So they'd always like be leaning against the fence or the wall outside our flat, smoking weed and talking shit. And uh, I remember coming out there one time with a bin bag and they were talking about life is good. And I thought, oh my God, they're talking about something I know about. I'm going to join them. I know Here I go. This. I'm going in. Come on, you're a youth worker. Mate. You can this. do this. And as soon as I started talking, it was uh, what what could be the equivalent? I guess it'd be like Tom Price giving an impassioned speech at a Black Lives Matter movement in Brixton. <laughs> Happy to do it, mate. I believe in the cause, but I'm not your man. As soon as I opened my mouth, I sounded like Partridge. I was like, because they were talking about it and they were cussing it. And they were like, what's he talking about? Like, he sounds, know, sounds like some old man rapping about his wife. And I was like, hey, yeah, guy, actually, you know, Nas. <laughs> yes, what did, did you hear me when I just said it? This is by Nas. Nas? Nas, one of the greatest artists of his generation. Uh, uh, that, oh, I'd maybe, maybe think twice before belittling him. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, there's a way they just fell silent. Like, why is this old man talking to us about stuff? Just but we have stop. these moments. We have these moments where we see the gap opening up between the carriageway and the platform. And yeah. these are the moments oh, where you're God. like, oh, goodbye, youth. Goodbye. Thank you. It was you. a really tragic moment. I always remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where we're going, we'll be showing that we listen to toast. Cause these lovely yeah. ass people gonna talk to the host. He's gonna ask a couple uh, questions. What they're buying the most. Cause one man got down. Down. just like the piece, piece of toast. Um, Ben, we're in 2015 now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Got a tally counter. Love a tally counter. Uh, just, just so I can feel like a, I'd get a high vis jacket and a tally counter and just, just count people. Makes me really happy. <laughs> a tally counter. You know what that was for? <laughs> this, this tally counter. I, I, I was a huge fan of a podcast called The Football Ramble. Right. Amazing uh, podcast. We love that podcast. Yeah. Yes, featuring yes. a colleague of ours, Jim Campbell. Uh, shout out, Jim. Um, and I didn't know Jim too well, but I knew one of the other presenters, Pete Donaldson, had come across a couple times, and I, I just thought, why isn't this show bigger? Because you know, 
there was all these other football shows that were bigger that were just dry, you know? Mm. They weren't exciting. They weren't funny. They weren't that interesting. And I loved the camaraderie between these boys. And so I I organized a sit down with Pete and I was like, dude, tell me about the ramble. And he was like, I'm done with the ramble. (laughs) He was like, I just, uh, I just, I can't be bothered to do this shit anymore. And I was like, what? Dude, the show's so great, man. I I said to him, the reason, the reason I brought you here is I was thinking, you know, with my contacts in in the comedy world and venues and that, let me put on a ramble show, man. Let me show you like how many people love this show. Make a podcast know? live. Yes. Yeah. So I booked the Arcola Theatre in Dawson. It's like 220 seater. And me and my wife dressed the set. We made like a little uh, penalty area out of AstroTurf. Oh, wow. And, and white gaffer tape. Uh, and we, we, we printed out their logo on a big sign. And we just did a, a special show. And it, it sold out. And they were just buzzing off the back of it. And I said, look, you know, you know, you can trust me. You know, I I got your back. Let me book a tour for you. And they were like, cool. So me and my wife booked like a bunch of venues. We booked um, the Pleasance in Edinburgh. We booked the Football Museum in Manchester. uh, A bunch of other places in Newcastle, in the Midlands. In London, we booked the Bloomsbury. Dude, I sold this tour out. I'm not fucking with you in 45 minutes you were there you were there when podcast land started to go live yeah it was nutty so um all of a sudden i was like oh my god we've got something real on our hands here yeah and uh so my job was kind of twofold i used to i was like helping them with the with the bookings and stuff and 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 the venues but also i would open for them so i'd like introduce them Mm. um but uh, their manager told me about Eventbrite. I didn't really know about Eventbrite at that time. Mm. And he was like, oh, this is a way of, you know, uh, making the, the ticket sales easy. But uh, yeah, we needed to tally the incomers at, at one particular venue. So I <laughs> <laughs> I bought one of those little clicky things and I was clicking, literally oh, stood wow. there, clicking the number of people who came in and out. <sighs> and I, I loved it, man. Like, you know, I, I love every element, every every sort of level if you like of 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 show business i'm not like i'm not precious i'm not i don't consider myself a celebrity so with with the the ramble it was it was just like a lovely time to just be a fan and and help out you know Um, boy did you help out because they've gone on to mate they went stratospheric after that i took them to norway they went to the states they've Um, gone around the states with a football podcast if you told me that five years ago I would have just not believed you. <laughs> yeah. And now they're like, they got, they do a show every day. They've got like sister yeah. shows, accompanying shows, interview shows. Yes. yes, uh, yes. You know, they're, they're absolutely killing it. They've got, I went to see their, Jim took me to their studio in Highbury recently. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I was like, this makes me, I know it's not my doing it's you guys, but just to be a part of it. I was like, I feel really proud, man. I feel really yeah. proud. And it, it really is just another chapter of my career that is, it forms a part of a pattern. I tend to be there when things kick off. I'm like there, there's not necessarily documentation of it, yeah. but I'm like that almost like the real water Mitty, you know, like I'm there yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there. If you study the, 
the photograph carefully on the microfilm in the library is in downtown Philadelphia. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like, yeah. I swear that's Doc Brown just in the corner there. Uh, Why is in, he the fo- there? in the photograph, you're always looking right down the barrel of the yeah, lens as yeah, well. Yeah, right into the Wearing camera. the same shirt. Everyone, <laughs> think it, everyone thinks it's photoshopped. Oh my God, you are quantum leap. That's what you're yeah. doing. That's what you're oh doing. boy. Oh, oh boy. Um, listen, here's a good one. Um, 11th of March, 2015. And you mentioned her earlier on. Uh, you bought NW by Zadie Smith. We should talk about that. This is your genius sister. Yeah, so I should really be getting a free copy. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, $5.99. <laughs> Hi. Mate, if you've got her number or something, drop her a text, see if you can get I'm one. I'm not sure why I had to buy one. My, my feeling is that... She, uh, you know, she's been living in the, in the States for the past um, 10, 15 years. Yeah. My feeling is that I probably didn't have access to one and needed one for something. Maybe mm. I was reading from it or I wanted to give it to somebody and get it signed or yes. something like that. And I just needed one. At Amazon, a lot of the purchases on Amazon, I think, are where you just need some shit quick rather oh, yeah. than... Jimmy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just need not, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, so if your sister's listening, essentially you were just you were just getting it in a quick, unloving way. It's not like you were supporting. Yes, your but at the same time, you were just isn't getting a supply? Isn't it the most loving thing to buy some shit from someone you could get it from for free? You know, like yes. that, that's that is that is supportive. I reckon that is true. <laughs> that is true. Enough. So that must be hard having your sister living in a different country. Well, yes and no, because she's finally bitten the bullet and this is an exclusive uh and she's coming home she's done oh uh and if you think about it if you're a black person living in corona time new york in the midst of what looks like a perhaps a revolution uh a racial cultural revolution underneath uh uh a mentally challenged uh racist idiot of a president mm. I, it might be time to up sticks you know mm. um, so so she's back which is a beautiful thing but this is like now this is literally happening as we speak that is exciting that is yeah. exciting so have you missed her when she's been away yeah massively although at the same time you know my, my wife's brother lives in Brooklyn so we've been to New York I mean I've been to New York a multitude of times since my first time in 95. Um, But since meeting my wife and having double New York connection, we've been a multitude more times. So Mm. we've never been that distant. I'd say we've kept in touch massively and kept both our sets of kids in touch massively. And they're very close as cousins. So, that's so um, nice though that cousins yeah. are going to be able to see each other because cousins yeah, are the yeah. best thing, man. When your oh, kids hang best. out with their cousins, because it's like they're siblings, but but refreshed and new and d- a yeah. bit interesting because they don't spend all yeah, their time and with them. Yeah, this little little blast of excitement. It's great. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good news. That's good news. And also that will help her writing, I guess, because she writes about London a lot, doesn't she? So I guess coming home will help her muse. Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably will. Nice, nice. Okay, listen, what we're going to do, Ben, because this has been going on for far too long, we need to crash now into the present day, okay? Okay. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to have a little look at the lockdown life of Ben Smith, okay? Let's (laughs) see what is going on. And already the domesticity... <laughs> I can see. First for spares, a 20 meter mains power lead cable for the Flymo lawnmower. Hello, someone's got a lawn. Yes, please. <laughs> well, the, I mean, it's like you're sort of inside my head because this is a, this is a Zadie Smith story, really. Um, she told me she was coming home. I said, "Look, uh, let me go and like 
sort out your place for you because uh you know she's been uh live, living out in new york working for nyu and living in you know nyu quarters basically so she doesn't right. have a place out there she's got yeah, a place yeah, yeah. here so i said let me go and look after the place get it get it ship shape for you and also i i was recording an audio book and i thought oh, i'll be nice and quiet in her house no yeah. kids and whatnot so i was recording there um but i was staring out onto the garden from her study and i was like this garden looks mental. <laughs> I mean, it was like a jungle. So I, so I thought, you know what, let me surprise her. I'm just going to do a bit of gardening. I'll pull up some weeds and just, I'm not going to change anything, obviously, because that's their garden. But let me just sort of lay the land out so that they can come home to something half decent because it looks crazy out there. Yeah. Um, so I used all their garden equipment. I used their uh, lawnmower, but it was knackered. I thought, oh shit, I'm going to have to go home and get my lawnmower, which is decent. So <laughs> I brought my lawnmower back. But also, I don't know if you have this, but I definitely do. Towards the end of a, a day of physical activity, I, and it was in the heat, we had a, a big heat wave. Yeah. Uh, I just think, oh, just a cold beer right now. It just, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. That's so I wasn't quite for. finished, but I, f- I had a cold beer and it was so good. I thought I'd have another one, you know. <laughs> and then I started cutting corners. <laughs> so, you know, normally you got to get rid of all the piles of grass and all that stuff, get that out of the way and continue. Yeah. I was just like chopping, like pruning back plants, cutting grass, leaving it. <laughs> weeds weeds just dumped on the ground and there's just piles of shit everywhere and i'm still just mowing away but of course the cable to my fly mow was weaved around underneath these piles of grass oh man and then the next thing i know and plus like my brother-in-law he's got a little office that he's built at the end of the garden Mm. so i i plugged my fly mow into his office Mm. which was like (laughs) it was much easier access to the garden right so yeah I'm zooming around and I just heard <laughs> like fireworks, you know? And I was like, okay, that's not good. That's, that's not good at all. And I checked down the wire, completely severed it, went into my brother's office, completely shorted the whole office. And I was like, oh, this has turned into a nice surprise Please tell me something you, else. Please tell me you haven't walked, been back to the house since. You've just walked away. <laughs> Welcome back, no. Zadie. I uh, obviously immediately got on Amazon. Shout out Jeff Bezos. And, uh, <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> oh, got wow. got a replacement cord, but also spent some time trying to work out the uh, what I'd short circuited and sorting out the boards in the house because it was like a it's like a little outhouse. It's an outbuilding, so I had to work out how that was connected to the house. And thankfully, I got that all up and running. Oh my finished God. finished the lawn. And uh, uh, yeah, I was able to tell them the story with a with a comedy ending rather than a "What the fuck have you done to our house?" <laughs> as long as it's a happy ending, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Pissed rapper Ben Smith burns yeah, yeah. down burns novelist down. sister's house. <laughs> <laughs> Let's grab that headline. Um, all right, listen, Ben Smith. This has been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me on my mate Portal Taster. Pleasure. Um, what a delight you are. And uh, how can uh, people get in touch with you? Are you? Should we do the Twitter shout out? We always like a bit of a tweet. I, I, at the I'll end. be honest with you. I don't do Twitter anymore, man. No, I, it's I, poisonous. I, it's poisonous. I used to be on it, and I had. Uh, well, a large number of follow- followers, shall we say. And I just, there was one day where I just went, oh God, I hate this. Mm. So I just left. Um, same with Facebook. 
Um, so Instagram's this place, DocBreezy88. You can hit there me up go. there. I, I, I love Insta. I think it's a nice, warm, bubbly, uh, cuddly place. Uh, mm. And that's how I found it anyway. So uh, get on there and call me a twat, I suppose, and r- <laughs> r- ruin it for me. Tell him he's a shit gardener. That's what he needs to hear. Uh, brilliant. Basically, thanks for joining us on My Mate Bought a Toaster. What a pleasure that was. Cheers, Tom. Good to speak to you. The wonderful Ben Smith, who is ace. I just love him. What a funny guy. And what a talented guy. Ridiculous how many um, different side hustles he's had going on. Uh, Side hustle belittles it as well. I mean, he's a major player in so many different things. And also a lovely guy to boot. Hope you enjoyed that episode uh, as much as I did. And uh, guess what? We'll be back again soon with more My Mate Bought a Toaster. Rate and review us. Lots of love. Stay safe. See you soon. Bye. you're a fan of all things geeky you're going to love concessions a brand new podcast by comedian matt Hinton and myself beck hill where we interview your favorite cult heroes at comic cons all across the world we've got stars from star wars harry potter the walking dead and more make sure you tune in soon to con sessions even on a budget quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.